La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding, 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 mais boum. Bonjour Rugby Friend, I hope and welcome to the new episode of French Rugby Connection with moi, Véronique Lindieu, and... And my good self, Mike Pierce. Well, only four days to go. Quatre jours pour le six nations. That's right. And plenty to talk about during uh, today's episode. So obviously, we will be reviewing the six nations with France, France kicking, uh, kicking start. Kicking start? Yes. Kicking off, yeah. Kicking off, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the six nations against Italy in Roma. We'll talk about the other the other nations as well. And a great pleasure to speak with Anthony Klassen this week. Yay. Yes, he's a French and South African rugby union player. So he started playing with the Bulls, then played for Briefcast and Racing, uh, Racing 92. And he's still playing there for them okay. at the tender age of 34. Five, thirty-six, wow, and youngster. yes, and he told me he, he's got another one or two years on his in his okay. legs. So I said to him, "You can do a Sergio Paris." Seems to yeah, be going yeah. on and on and on. But I had really a bit like you, really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, like, just going on and on and on. <laughs> Are you excited about the Six Nations this year then? Because it's all a bit different, isn't it? Indeed, indeed, yes. Our official launch, yes, which yeah. took place last week. And we'll talk about the top 14, any other business. I'll teach you some rugby French again. Okay. And we find, we'll finish with a rugby joke. Six Nations, like you said, Mike, for only four days to go. I know, it's incredible. It's going to be weird without any crowds, isn't it? But there's still a sort of hint of excitement, isn't there? And especially with France kicking off in Rome. Yes. But it can be a blessing in disguise as well when there is no crowd, maybe no, no, especially for away games. I think it may yeah, play. Yeah, be interesting. Yeah. Yes. I th except that France has three away games this year. <laughs> this yeah, year. Well, so. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think a year ago I was in Stade de France, a capacity crowd watching France, Italy, 35-23, tries from Serin, Olivon and then Tamak and everything in the world seemed, seemed pretty good. Little did we know what, what the next 12 months would have in store for us. But, but Italy have only actually beaten France twice out of 1921 20 games. 21 games. France won 19, Italy 2. And I, I remember 2011 in Rome, Italy's famous 22-21 win with Nick Mallet in charge and some atrocious refereeing has to be said but a very famous day famous day indeed for for Italy and France's biggest win against Italy was in Paris in 2010 when they beat them 46-20 also another big win in 2002 they won 33-12 when Gérald Merceron kicked seven penalties and just to Top the stats, a top point scorer in matches against Italy is Dimitri Yashvili, the scrum half who's now now on the media. 64 points in seven matches. So France definitely having the, the upper hand over Italy. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so as well. It's kind of a, it will be difficult for Italy, but never ever underestimate your opponent. I think that's a lesson that <laughs> that Winston Eddie Jones learned last yeah. year when he said when he didn't take it so seriously the, the 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 French team, and yeah, and they did they did lose in in Stade de France. So in terms of the the squad, so they are still training very hard in um, in Nice. Yeah. Lucky them, lucky them. Yeah. Reason why they are in this is because they started off last year a uh, training where they were considered as not very good. And yeah, they wanted to, to carry on that, that tradition. So out of the 37 that were originally announced, now Fabien came with a new list of uh, 31, 31 players. 31. 31, that's right. And why? No, tell me. No, no, well, we, we talked about that earlier. Uh, yeah, but I've forgotten. You know, I'm an old man. Yeah. He's 63. I've got a <laughs> short-term memory. <laughs> the, 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 the less, the better in that situation because of the uh, COVID situation. For instance, in the uh, English team, they're only 28. Yeah. So having 31 players, it makes it uh, much safer. It's very, very tough, right? I've got the full hotel all for by themselves. They can't, uh, they, they don't, I mean, they... They're very much enclosed into their bubbles, like all teams right now. Yeah. But having said that, when they wake up, they open their windows and they see the sea that rises. Yeah, lovely, lovely place, nice, isn't it? Beautiful. Yes, it's, it's gorgeous. So in terms of my prediction, who will make the, the, the squad, which will be announced on Thursday at, is it 11 o'clock? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, somewhere about 11.30, 11.45, I think. So... Oh. Yeah, so my predictions are following. Are the following. So tell me what you think. So first row, la première ligne. I'm guessing that Cyril Bay, yeah. Julia Marchand, yeah, definitely. and Mohamed Wass yeah. will be part of Sounds the première ligne. Good front row, yeah. Second row, no, la deuxième ligne. La deuxième ligne, I'm guessing it will be... I would like to see Bernard Leroux. Yeah, I would like him because he's in my fantasy Six Nations team. So he better be in there. <laughs> and Paul Williamsy. Yeah. Yeah, the police established uh, pairing now, I think. Yes. Third row, Ron Walkie. Okay. Anthony Chelonge, and he deserves it, I think. And, and Charles Olivon. Yeah. Because he's a captain, uh, Altrit would have been great to yes, have been there, but yeah, he's injured. Yeah. So demi de mêlée, demi de mêlée, only one man, numéro yes. the number one scrum half in the world. That's right, that's right. Monsieur Don't Dupont. say that to the New Zealanders. Monsieur yeah, Antoine, Antoine Dupont. Yeah, there's still uh, some debate whether Dupont or what's the uh, What's the other other scrum half in the New Zealand yeah, team? I can't remember. But I mean, the All Blacks haven't played for a year, have they? So I don't see how they can possibly claim the best scrum half in the world. Yeah, we see. Yes, demi d'ouverture. Demi d'ouverture is the is the. How do you say that in English? Come on, teach me some English. Thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Okay, Mathieu Jalibert. Yeah. And the centre, le centre, I'm guessing is going to be a case of having a Ficou and a Gaël Ficou yeah. and Arthur Vincent. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think Vincent will be a good, I'm looking forward to seeing him play because he, 
he played really well last season, and I think with Fiku, I think they're an exciting combination. Yes, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And Gael has got lots of experience. Yeah. He's one of the oldest players. Yeah. He's, he has reached the grand age of 31 years wow, old. Wow. Which is very old for that team because the average was, is it like 24, 25 years old? I think it is. It's very young, like isn't that. it? Yeah, and it's such a shame yeah. Vakatao is injured because he was on the top of his game, wasn't he? But it would be, be still interesting to see how they get on. Yes. So yeah, what about the absolutely. wings then? The Allier. Yeah, so the Allier. Allier, not Allier. Allier Dwight. We're doing our French Elie lesson Dwight, at the same time uh, as well. Allier Gauche. Yeah, so I would like to see Gabin. Uh, I would like to see Villiers, Gabin Villiers, yeah, yeah. and and Peno, Teddy yes, Peno. That's, that's a good show. Sorry, not Teddy Peno. I beg your pardon, Damien Peno. Damien Peno. Yeah, they got a good, difficult choice there with Teddy Thomas and Damien Peno. It'll be interesting to see who they go with. <sighs> Depends on the form yeah. uh, during the, the, the training camp. Yeah, sure. you know, it was, it's all a matter. It's about what counts now. And Damian has been playing so well lately. But of course, he, he was injured for quite a while. Teddy's got the experience, but sometimes can be slightly unpredictable. Mm. So we'll see. And then the Zarier. Yeah, this is a tough one, isn't it? Because are you going to go for Boutier or Dulan? I will go for, for Dulan. Will you? Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, because of his, he was the voted yeah. the best player of the COVID yeah, Cup. He was, he the, was sorry, auto optimization Cup. Form player, and I think against Italy as well. I think his running game will be will be very useful. I don't think he's going to get too much trouble in defence. So uh, yeah, that's a pretty good team you've picked there. Yeah, who needs uh, Fabian no, Galtier? More, you can do the job. Yeah. yeah mo- mo- more than a pretty face, and I know my sports as well. I know my Arsenal, I know Monaco. Yeah, Arsenal, and... from, <laughs> like... Arsenal from your elbow, I know. <laughs> so in terms of bench, I want to even if uh, my suggestion, my prediction for the bench, I can see Georges-Henri Colombe. I see him there. Okay. Yeah, I'm I not going like to argue about the bench. You can have whoever you want on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Baptiste Pesanti. It's one one to watch. He was excellent when he played in the last game, I think, against England. Yeah. It was in the second second tier, but uh, the, 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 this team was phenomenal. Cretin, I see Dylan Cretin. Serein, Baptiste Serein will be there yeah, as a backup. Yeah. yeah, Carbonel. Yeah. Louis Carbonel. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's right. And then Boutier, Boutier, Boutier yeah. will be there as a bad. Yes. So that's my prediction. So Brilliant. we'll see whether I'm right or not on on Thursday. Okay. And the referee, an English referee, the French will love that, won't they? Who, who is the, Matt the English referee? Carly. So, yeah. yeah. But Italy haven't won a Six Nations match since 2013. Mm-hmm. It's a long, long time, isn't it? I know, but this year I have a feeling they would lean. They will win at least one game for the reason we mentioned last last week. They've got some, we got some some young players raring to go, full of dynamism. They haven't experienced yeah. any any losses because it's their first time, and also we've got a Franco Franco yeah. Smith very with bringing some structure and they're very, very much aware of their weaknesses, which is usually the last 20 minutes of the games when they seem to to go downhill, unfortunately. So I'm really hoping they will they will play because they've got lots to offer. And, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what um, worries me, though. They've only got two games at home and that 
obviously France and and Wales. So I, I can't see them winning away. But on, on current form, on, on, on Welsh current form, I think they they could give Wales a very tough game in, in Rome on the 13th of March. And unless Wales pull their socks up a bit, that could be that could be the, the win that, that Italy get. They, exactly, they might even win against Wales yeah. and or, or against uh, Scotland. I would love to see yeah, them. I think Scots you know, and Murrayfield. Oh, I think they're a bit tough these days. And of course, their star man Matteo Minozzi has made himself unavailable because he didn't I want know. to go into the, the COVID bubble for, for 28 days. So that's a big loss to them. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to Saturday's game because the opening game, first game up. You're never quite sure, are you, what sort of form people are going to hit. So, yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm counting the hours already. Yes, and what? I have started learning Italian on Duolingo. Okay. Because <laughs> so I'm planning ahead. You started with you know, pizzas, have you? Is it Quattro Formaggio? And... <laughs> no, so no. Una you find a cappuccino, <laughs> No, for favore, yeah. I think you're welcome to some news one day, definitely. And any news regarding the uh, other games for Six Nations? Yeah. Just in case the, the, the listeners don't know, on Saturday, Italy-France kicks off at 2.15 um, UK time and then England-Scotland at 4.45. And that game's going to be refereed by Andy Brace. And then, of course, on Sunday at 3 o'clock, we've got Wales against Ireland. And our old friend Wayne Barnes will be refereeing that, his 22nd uh, Six Nations game, which makes him the highest uh, Six Nations referee, one more than our dear friend Nigel Owens. But, yeah, the fascinating weekend, England-Scotland at Twickenham. England have been in the top two of of the last 10 Six Nations tournaments. So they, they're always the, there or thereabouts, but they haven't got... Uh, uh, Mako Vinipola, Carl Sinclair and Joe Marler, they're all out. So maybe there's, uh, yeah, man, they've got great strength in depth, but maybe there's a bit of a, a weakness there. But I think England are going to be there or thereabouts. They finished the tournament with Ireland in Dublin and that could be their their toughest game. Scotland, well, they've got Finn Russell back and we all know all the French fans and the Racing fans know how how brilliant he can be. And I think last time they played England at Twickenham, and they had a horrific first half. I think they were at 30 points down. They came back to, to draw the game 32-all or 33-all. So that's going to be a, a, another fascinating game on Saturday afternoon. Wales, well, what are Wales going to do? They, they seem to be lacking big ball carriers at the moment. And I think... They're going to struggle up front, but but with Josh Adams, George North on the wings, I think they've got the the, the power to score. Is whether they can get enough ball, and the defence needs shoring up. And and one thing is for sure, the Welsh coach Wayne Pivat needs wins. He's certainly not experimenting. He's bringing in some old heads. He's brought Dan Lydia back, and really that match against Ireland on Sunday is is going to be a, a crunch game for for Wales and Ireland. And Ireland, of course. Um, they've got Paul O'Connell in now as forwards coach, one of the one of the greatest Irish players of all time and British Lions captain. And they're always tough to beat. And and for them again, that that opener in in Cardiff will be crucial. But they've got a couple of injuries. Doris and Rue are out, 
So three fascinating games to start the tournament. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And regard the assumptions who might win the Six Nations, so it's, it's a game it's between France and, and England. Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting because the bookies are never usually wrong, are they? They don't lose a lot of money. They've got England at favourites at two to one. They've got France at five to one, which I think is a is a pretty decent bet. The Ireland eleven to one, Wales forty to one, Scotland eighty to one, and Italy five hundred to one. But uh, I heard that I heard the five hundred. Yeah, but I think I think <laughs> five to one for France is a very very generous odds, to be honest. So yeah. get your That's, mortgage uh, on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see, we'll see anyway, but uh, four days to go and I can't wait. And uh, yes, regarding the England team, they, there's some, some pros. Obviously, Saracen's contagion haven't played for a long time. Is it going to be a weakness or a strength? I don't know. So we, we, yeah. we, we will see. We'll see. So, uh, yeah, I well, what I would be doing yes, this weekend, that's for yes, sure. They won't have to worry about... Uh, <laughs> me staying indoors this weekend I won't be flouting any government <laughs> rules I can assure you Hey, bonjour um, Anthony Anthony Klassen how are you? Bonjour Véronique ouais, ça va très bien merci et toi? Yes, I'm very, very well. So, Anthony Klassen, let me refresh the memories of our listeners. So, uh, you are French and South African rugby union players. Yes, double nationality. You were born on the 20th of October 1984, the year... The film uh, like the Karate Kid, the Terminator, Ghostbusters <laughs> were released. <laughs> to give some. Sounds like a long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you started your, your rugby career at the Bulls uh, from 2003 to 2006. Uh, then you, um, you were called up to play in Brive um, from 2007 to 2012. And I know that uh, the supporters have very fond memories of, <laughs> of you still. And then you moved not too far away. Uh, you went to play for Castres, in which you, yes. um, you, got, uh, you won the Brennus, the, the top 14 uh, cup before moving finally to Racing, Racing 92 from 2013, no, 2014, 14, I beg your pardon, yes. uh, until, until now. And in between, you played with France. You yes. were capped six times. Your yes. first game was against England in February 2013, and you played five times. Uh, for French barbarians, so wow, what uh, what a life! And let's not forget, you got some uh, rugby blood in you in your vein as well, because your father is. Yes, my father is Vainan Charlson, <laughs> the Supremo captain uh, of the 1981 tour to New Zealand and America. Obviously, um, very controversial at the time. Um, with it being apartheid in South Africa and everybody obviously being against South Africa. So they went to New Zealand, um, yeah, where my dad was captain. And, um, yeah, it's obviously, it's, it's, it's amazing having a role model like that and obviously like a dad and, and, and a, a great friend. So, so yeah, some, some rugby blood in me. And, um, yeah, so I'm very privileged to, to have someone like that as, as a role model. 
Yes. And um, so the, tell me about your, obviously, so uh, did you used to play with uh, with your father when you were uh, a little boy? And this is how you thought, that's it, I want to be like my daddy. Yeah. <laughs> If you look back at it now, I think um, I've got three sisters. So I think my dad kind of, he realized, ah, oh, shame, he's, a, he's, the only, he's the only boy, he needs someone to play with. So if I have to play with them. So, but I must say, my dad was always... Whenever I wanted to to go play outside, if it was rugby or cricket or whatever it was, my dad was always available and he hardly ever said no. So, I mean, obviously, I, having a, a father like that, I was obviously born with him, with a rugby ball in the hands. So, um, yeah, so he was always there to to play and give you some tips and some guidance. But I must say, it's, it was it was amazing. Just in, in spite of who he was and what he's achieved, he never put pressure on me to to become like him or to follow in his footsteps. Um, he's always been... You, you have to make your own name, you have your own life and you can decide whatever you want to do. And I can remember, um, I would think it was in 1995 or 96, uh, when the Springboks played against Australia in, um, in Bloemfontein and we lived in Durban at, at, at the, at the time. And he took me out of school earlier on a Friday and we drove up to Bloemfontein. And I remember the conversation that he had with me, like it was yesterday. He said, listen, you um, You can do whatever you want in life. You can play rugby. You can play cricket. You can even be a ballerina or do ballet. <laughs> and, and he said, I will, I will always be there, always be there to support you. He said, so, and I was like, don't worry, dad. You don't have to worry about the ballet. I don't think I'm going to go that, that far in that direction. So, so that just shows the type of person he is and like the support that I've always had from him. So, which is, which is pretty amazing. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. And, uh, uh did, did you start as a number eight? Um, actually I didn't, um, well, when I was a little bit smaller, obviously you've got your junior rugby in South Africa. There's not really any, um, any positions, but I started off at, um, well, lucky. I think we used to play 10 man rugby at the time. And then, um, from 10, 11 or 12 years old, um, they saw I had some skills and I could pass the ball, I can kick and they moved me to scrum off, um, when I was 12 years old. And then until I was 16, I played nine and 10. So it was only when I started developing a little bit later in life when I got a little bit too big they were the coaches at my at my school they were like um you're getting too big now you're going to the front you're going straight to the to the loose forward so I was stuck in at them at um at number eight uh, in my when I was 16 years old and then obviously from first team so 17 18 and the first team I played lock um for the first team was a little bit taller at the, at the time than the certain guys so it's uh So I've, I've had some experience in the back line. So which I think which stands, well, which stood me in good stead up in, well, for today and for the rugby that I'm playing at the moment. Yes, yes, definitely. So you spent three years uh, playing for Bulls. Um, any, what was, what is your best memories of playing with them? Yeah, straight out of school. Um, obviously in South Africa, you, once you, once you're finished with your school, you go and study. And I went to, to the University of Pretoria and, um, and obviously I got a, a junior contract at, at the Bulls and my dad, um, I remember also another thing is that we were sitting at home and he came to me and he said, um, listen, you know, you've got the option to, You've got the option to go and play, to go play rugby, but the most important is your studies. You have to go and study. I don't care what you do, but the studies is the most important. And once you finish your degree and you, once you, once you, ha once you have your degree, you can do whatever you want. So he said, you can, you can take the contract, but you're going to do your studies and you're going to be in a residence with the rest of the students. You're not going to be like in a, um, surrounded only by rugby players. Otherwise the guys will never finish the studies. So, mm -hmm. so I went to Pretoria. I was in a normal residence with, um, with all my friends and students and, and mates at the time. We, we were just, they were there just to study and I was, 
training in the mornings, I had to wake up at six to go train and then had class in the afternoon. So if you look back at it now, there were great times. And mm-hmm. um, I was captain of the under 20 Bulls, under 21, uh, under 20 Bulls, yes, who won the championship. And under 21, we won it again. So so I spent three years over there and it's it's fond memories. Obviously, some of the some of the friends that I made in, during those times was absolutely amazing and still friends today. So it's, it feels like a long time ago. It goes by way too quickly. That's the problem. Like a rugby career passes so so quickly, and uh, some some great memories from 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 way back then. Who were the South African players you were playing with? Oh, I think at the time um, in our team, I think we had um, Adrian Strauss was the, was was the hooker at the, at the time. He became the Sprimo captain later. Pierre Spies was was there. He played. He still played wing at that time. Um, and a lot of other players too, but those were probably the two the two guys that stuck out if I can remember now. But obviously, uh, uh, a lot of guys went on to play provincial rugby and and win super super rugby titles and curry cup titles. And then uh, France called Brive to be more specific. How did it happen? <laughs> yeah, it's um. I mean, I was African in the 2006. Um, I had a Uh, um, a back operation and I took the whole 2006 off um, just to finish my studies to recover to get 100% right again because well the doctor said it's other you get this operation we're not sure that you'll be able to to play rugby again but um, if you want to get fixed at least you'll be able to have a normal life and I said well I want to play rugby again and that's why I took my time I took the whole 2006 off and I finished my studies and I was a real student for that for that time so I spent I enjoyed the time with my friends that they were students that that and did things with them that I wasn't able to do while I was still playing rugby so I eventually I finished my degree uh 2007 I started playing again at, at University of Pretoria Tickies um we had an amazing amazing team at, at uh, that year 2007 um but then I kind of felt like I wasn't going to get anywhere in South Africa. I mean, I, I'm not the, the maybe the biggest South African loose for that that that's ever lived or that's ever that's been seen. So I'm maybe a little bit more of a ball player. And at the time of South Africa, they wanted these big forwards and they can win the game line and you know have a physical presence. And and um, I just thought, well, I spoke to my dad because my dad also played in France and at the end of the 70s, I think, and he played in Marmond. Um, in, in which team did he play? In Marmond. Close to okay. yeah, close to Bordeaux, in the in late seventies. So he was there, and I think in France for five or six months, and he absolutely fell in love with France, the culture, the language, everything that came, that comes with it. He just loved it, and he's always like France has always been. Um, his second team. So I remember like at the time when I was obviously a little bit younger, there was still the five nations at the time and they played on Sundays, I think Sunday afternoons. My dad would literally sit there with his uh, beret and (laughs) he would sometimes light up his pipe and we would, we would sit there and watch the French play against the English and the Irish and the Scottish and, and the Welsh. So that was, those are good memories. And my dad has always said like, if you have the opportunity in your life, you should really go to France. It's an amazing experience. It's it's really worth it, and you'll be richer for it. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, yeah, so obviously, I didn't play really big rugby in South Africa. Or didn't have really a big name, and and it was difficult to find a, um, a club in France that would they would look at me. So, um, obviously, my dad always kept contacts in, in France, and he's he's always had his friends, and and I managed to um, to to go to Marmande. Uh, and close to Bordeaux, so it's um, it was a small. I think they played second um, federal uh, or federal two. I can't remember at the time. Yeah. Anyway, I was there for. I came across. I went over there. Um, I was just there for two weeks, and then I came into contact with with Brive Laurent Seine. Um, 
he said I can come and do some fitness tests. Um, I went, I took a train. I phoned my dad. I was like, Dad, I don't have any money. Um, please, can you put some money into my account that I can at least buy a train ticket to breathe just to go do some tests? Because I literally arrived in France with a backpack and, and a bag, and that was it. Uh, didn't have a lot of money, and so my dad paid some money over. I went to breathe, um, did the fitness test, and um, I remember with Didier Kazade, the the old um, forwards coach from from Breathe, who eventually became the coach too. He, he kicked me some high balls, and I had to catch them, and and like, and I was like, yo, this is weird. I mean, this is easy, and why are they making me do this? And I was like, okay, <laughs> I just did it and didn't drop one ball, and everything was fine, and then. Um, eventually, Laurent Sand came back to me and said, well, you can stay. You can, you, you, you can, um, we're going to keep you. You can stay with Brief, uh, but you're going to play with the Espoirs, the, the young team. I was like, happy. I'm so happy. Over, I'm over the moon, ecstatic because it's a top 14 club. So this is kind of like a, a break that I was looking for because it's obviously going up a level and now I can prove myself. And, um, I arrived in Brief and like for three months, I think I had like some visa troubles and I was like, very close to being sent back to South Africa because I overstayed my visa and this and that. So it was, it was, it was pretty touch and go. Otherwise I would have been back in South Africa. But then obviously within this three months, um, I really worked hard and I trained hard and, and I really took it upon myself to, to learn the French culture and learn some, some language, some of the language too. And, and when, uh, eventually, when my visa got sorted out and my papers got sorted out, um, Olivier Manu was the, the French, um, French news forward. Um, everybody knows him. He was at Brieve at the time and he was still playing, but then he had to stop his, his career because of an injury and he became the coach of the side and I became his joker medical for, for the team. So and as he became coach, obviously I was training and stuff and he was just like, he, I don't know, he saw something in me and he said, Listen, you can do whatever you, whatever you want in the field. You, you can see what's happening, but just, just go and enjoy yourself. So with, um, with Olivier and, um, Lawrence and they really gave me a chance. And that's where, where it kind of happened. And, and the rest is history, as I say. So it's a, it's a nice story to tell just coming from nowhere and having to prove myself. And obviously, like, I had to make my own name, my own way forward. And, and which is, yeah, it's just, if I look back and I'm very proud of the way that it happened. And, and, um, like I said, the rest is history. Yes, yeah, definitely. What about uh, when you started playing for for Brief? What were the the major differences in terms of uh, rugby? Um, if you look back, and I mean, rugby has changed so much over the years. I mean, in the, it's been 14 years that I've uh, that I've been in France. So if you look back in the change in 14 years' time, it's 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 so much more. The game has become so much more physical, a lot quicker, and I mean, it's it's. It was professional back then, but it's become it's just gone up another notch. So it's um back then maybe the game is a little bit slower. It's it's especially in the winter, in French winter, especially in Brive, it can rain sometimes. The the field is wet and everything is muddy and wet. So it's a lot of it's lo it's a lot lot more forward orientated than 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 maybe sometimes now because like, the pitch is a little bit better now. And if you look at racing with our with our great stadium, that is the perfect conditions to play in. So it's um, it's it's obviously changed a lot. And if I look back at it now, it's 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 kind of formed me and and gave me a lot of experience for for what I what I have to do now. And what about your your French? Did, so how was how good was your French? Or did you start? Uh, did you start from scratch? No, I had to start from scratch. I mean, if if you, in South Africa, I think we know bonjour, s'il vous plaît, merci, uh, un, deux, trois. I think that's about all we know in, in South Africa. Yeah. And I mean, you can't you, we can't say we can't string a sentence together. We can't say anything. So I had to I I came over here. I didn't understand a word of French. So, which was nice days, well, there were quite a, quite a few, like, especially South African players at, at, at Brieve at the time. Um, Charles von Rensburg was over here, Johan van Sale. Um, 
So Vickers Levenberg was a young player at the time. We, they've been here for a couple of years. You can speak French. So whenever there was some time to, or some translation needed, they would translate. And, he was, and obviously Olivia Mann also spoke some good English. So, so which was good. So it was, it was, I'm not going to say it was easier, but it was, it helped a little bit. But obviously it, it, it depends on the person too. You have to kind of take that step to, to learn the language, to learn the culture. So it, it depends on you. And that's, and I really want to do, to embrace myself in this culture and language. So I kind of uh, I made the effort and took the time to, to learn the language. And your French is absolutely perfect. We had a brief conversation before that call. And I, yeah. It doesn't always French. seem that way, but, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you moved to Castres, where I believe Laurent Travers yeah, Laurent Travers was your was your coach as well as Laurent Latouche. Yes, les deux Laurent, Lolo and Toto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's obviously I, I left Brive and it was tough to leave Brive, especially after five years being there and captaining the side and and leaving them. I left and we went to to second division to Pro de Deux. So it was tough. It wasn't easy because I mean I, I really I, up until up until this day I love the the town and the people and I can they've offered they've given me so much. And that's that's Brie that kind of gave me that that chance and to and the stepping stone to be able to to be to be where I am today. So I was contacted by the the two Laurents and to go to Castres. Um So I went there, and um, obviously it's it was a huge change of environments and scenery, and and it's something that I really needed because I think maybe I I put myself under a lot of pressure at Brie because I I took a lot of the the responsibilities upon my upon my own shoulders, and I wanted to. Do, obviously help the team and help the, the club and everything to, to stay at the top. And it wasn't, it wasn't possible when I left. So it was, it was, it was tough. It wasn't easy, but going to cast, it was, it was like a new beginning type of me. I just, I, I could go over there without any pressure and just try and enjoy myself. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, it's, if you look at our 2013 season, it was a team that's, um, that was well-established and with little turnover, little new players coming in. So it was so much easier to, to, to walk into a team that's well established that have had some good results um over the past and and yeah so it's it was it was an amazing experience especially the first year officially uh, first year in Cast. who were the players that were playing with you at cast wow there was you know, from the from the front you would um Kurt Skarina Weongi was the the uh, the tight prop, Brees Mack, who was the hooker um uh, Tweopu was the is the lucid prop um we had Capo Ortega uh, Joe Tukoris, Christoph Samson, we had Ibrahim Diara who passed away uh, a year, uh, year ago. Um, um, Christoph Samson, um, uh, um, yeah, Christoph Samson, I said, Yannick Caballero, I was there. It was uh, Rory Cockett, Remy Tales, uh, it was such a huge team. Mark Andrew Priest Dulu was there. Uh, we had a great, great team, and it's obviously we were a bunch of great mates, so it was really, really nice. And you won the Brennus, the big bouclier oh. Brennus, which is a top 14 cup. So how did it feel to put your hand on that, uh, on that uh, bouclier? And I've seen the, I saw the pictures as well. You took the bouclier in the bath afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was surreal. Honestly, up until this day, it's, it's surreal to think that, that, that in a space of one year from where I was the year before fighting relegation and obviously leaving a club that went down to Port de Deux to being French champions and having made my first cap for France or playing my first couple of games for France, it was the most weirdest, surrealist feeling that I could have ever experienced. So it's, it's it was some of the greatest memories that I've had. I must say it was absolutely amazing just to, 
to think back at it now and what we've achieved and to be to having been part of that whole process it was it was it was amazing Yes, that year was definitely a magic year for you as well because you played your first game for Les Bleus uh, against Les Anglais, yeah. the team in Twickenham, on 23rd of February 2013. Unfortunately, England, I mean, France lost. But uh, yeah, what a memory because you were able to sing La, la Marseillaise. La, yeah. la Marseillaise yeah. from the full lungs and you uh, took on the French nationality as well. Exactly. The, the year after. Exactly. I mean, that, that 2013 was an, it was an absolutely crazy year. It was um, obviously uh, winning the, the, the top 14, but then obviously getting the call up to France and receiving the call and, and just being in the environment, something that you would always dream of something like that. But obviously I would, I would, I never thought that it would happen. I, I, I honestly never thought that it would, that it was bestowed upon me to, to, to play international rugby. So it's, um, to having, it's, and, and then playing my first game at Twickenham as well against England and uh, La Concha was, yeah, it was, it was, it's really special. It's really amazing. And, um, like I said, it goes by way too quickly. And, um, it's having, looking back at it now, my dad flew, flew over all the way from, from South Africa, especially for the first test. It was to, to have, to have shared that moment with him and like just going back through all of the sacrifices and memories over the years and having my dad there to, to, to have shared that experience and that moment with him was, um, it's, it's something you can't explain. So it's really, really special. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I must have been really emotional, very uh, meant, meant a lot. And you were playing alongside Thierry Dussautoir, Maxime Machano, Frédéric Michalak, Wesley yeah. Fofana, and uh, and I think in the English team at that time you had Alex Good, Chris Ashton, and yeah, so I mean, on. it's 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 at the time oh. I think um, it wasn't the easiest and the greatest period for for French rugby. It was tough, and um, we didn't get the results we wanted, and. And so it's difficult to to kind of play with confidence sometimes if uh, if if the team doesn't go well. So you're constantly under pressure to perform, and obviously it's it's an it's a step up from 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 club rugby. So it's people are people are looking at you and scrutinizing you, and uh, it's it's at the time the English were also they were mm -hmm. a great side at the time too. So and going to to Twickenham into England to to try and beat the English there is always a tough task. So. So yeah, but it's still it's still, yes, it still stays yes, it it's still is. a great memory and it's still it's it stays with me, yeah. Yes, yeah. And what do you make about the French team? Are you optimistic Honestly, I, now? And and I've got a question for you. If what about if France play against South Africa in the final, <laughs> who will you support? I know the Firstly, the first question, I think I'm very optimistic about the, about this new French team and the French rugby at the moment. If you look at the amount of youngsters, like talented youngsters coming through, it is it's 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 amazing. It's It's so it's so nice to see like the pure talent coming through and and the difference that it makes that 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 with a bit of confidence and some good structures that they can express themselves in the field and that's exactly what you can see at the moment. So they've got a I think they've got a good balance at the moment with some some experienced players, but with a lot of youth that um just go out there and they play with so much experience, um so much um enthusiasm and 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 um. It makes a big difference, and the structures that that have been put in place. Also, you can see it just it comes through with the results. So it's it's very, I'm very optimistic, and it's um, another two. It's with 2021, another two years before the World Cup. So what goes goes by so quickly. Another two years before the World Cup in, in France. So I think um, the French are they definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with. So um, yeah, second question: uh, France versus Africa. I mean, it's. It's, that's a tough question. Obviously, I, I grew up in South Africa. Um, like, <laughs> if you're a little boy in South Africa, you always dream of playing for the Springboks. But I mean, it's 
to having come to France and I represented France. I mean, I would always want want the, the back the French. So, so obviously, I'd, I'll have my blue jersey on if if that day, and hopefully, it will arrive one day. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's, it, could, it could happen because uh, South Africa was sensational in the last year. Yeah, they, during the the World Cup. Oh, was it? Yeah, what, two years ago. Year ago half, yeah. No, they were. They were. They obviously. Yeah. It's, you can see that once again the difference that that the good or good structures makes, uh, the good structures that you put in place, the good coach management, and I think um, what Rassi Rasmus did, the whole planning and everything that he did before, just kind of. Uh, Pay dividends in the World Cup final and, and and the World Cup having won it. So it's um I think France, like I said, is on the right track. They've got the right structures in place and they've got a good group of young players and the core players with experience and, and some youth. Um, to hopefully in two years time, the the young group that they have now will have good good enough experience to be able to to take it to the next step. Mm-hmm. And what about South Africa? What are your thoughts about them? Because yeah, right now they haven't I played for I mean, a while. I've, I've been following a little bit um, of like what's happening in South African rugby and the Curry Cup and those type of things. So it's it's a little bit difficult, I think, because it's with the whole COVID and not being a, not having played for a while. But I mean, it's uh, yeah, I'm sure they they're going to come out for it stronger, and especially they might be moving to to the north now. So obviously playing in the Pro 14, I think. So it's, I think it might be a good, good change for, for, for South Africa. And it could be very beneficial for, for European rugby too, having the South Africans here. So I think it's going to, it's definitely going to change, um, the way that, that South Africans maybe play rugby and the way that they approach it. But, um, definitely it's going to, it's going to change and it's going to help them a lot for, for the future. Absolutely. I think it's positive. Absolutely. And, um, and anyway, you know, there are loads of players, you know, playing, um, for top 14 or the Premiership League in the UK. So the likes of, uh, of Pollard Montpellier. Uh, playing yeah. Montpellier, who is injured right now. Um, plenty, yeah, a lot of South Africans, yeah, of, yeah. Um, South African players, like, yeah. like, Sel, no, I think, I mean, I think, uh, yes, I think a Sel lot of the players <laughs> obviously they, they, they play in the Northern Hemisphere and they come from South Africa. It's, it's I'm not going to say it's easiest, but if you look at the, the traveling and the time difference, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot easier for, for traveling and to, to play the games. And I think it's, it's going to be a new, new approach and a new challenge for both for South African rugby and for European rugby because it's going to definitely, definitely it's going to be different opposition. It's not going to be the same as what it's been in the past. And it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a positive, as a positive move. Yeah. Definitely. Can't wait. Then, you know, after cast, you followed uh, Laurent Travers to. Hussie, yes, I came, night, um, right? after spending two years at racing, I mean at Cast, sorry, um, after having won uh, the Prenus at, at Cast and losing in the final of the year after against Toulon, uh, came to racing. Uh, yeah, it's been seven years that I've been in now, and uh, um, we won the Brooklyn de Prenus in, in 2016 uh, in Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona, it's uh, that was absolutely insane. Like, I'm in front of 100,000 100, people. Um, First time that the the top forty final being played outside of France, it was something special. It was absolutely, it was amazing. If you look at the amount of support there was, you could just you just look up at at the stadium and wherever you looked, it was people. And you, it was, I don't think you can explain it to anybody that that there wasn't there that the, the the atmosphere that there was in the ground. It was it was oh it was it was special. It was amazing. 
Uh, how what about the after party? Um, yeah, it was party? obviously a private party, and and the team and the families and and those type of people. And obviously, um, my dad once again flew over with my mom because my wife was pregnant with our with our second boy, um, who was actually born a, a week after we won the final. So we had to make plans very very quickly when <laughs> when when we made the final and. Um, <laughs> And when we knew that um, we we're going to be playing in Barcelona, so I had to fly my parents over just to have to look after my, my wife and, and my, my, my eldest because he could come at any time. Uh, so, yeah, my dad was at the final too. And, and I spent basically spent the whole night with my dad and just, just chatting with them. And we were at the, all together with the team. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was good fun. It was really, really, really nice. Oh, that's very young. And you know what? I cannot wait until Racing 92 yeah. left behind. <laughs> well deserved. You know, I saw you playing against Sarah Santos as well. Yeah, Leo. Um, and then, and then last. Yeah, it's, uh, oh. it was tough. I mean, it's. I think that's so, the one that's kind of it gets away every single time. It's so close, but yet so far, as they would say. And I think, um, and the first final against Saracens in 2016, like you said, I think Saracens were obviously the better team, and they deserved to win the game. I think the final 2018, mm. there were a lot of regrets. I think uh, we felt that we could have won the game, and maybe we should have. But I mean, maybe there was a lack of experience to a certain extent at at times. Um, so yeah, against Leinster, they, they, they won the game and obviously very disappointed off the game. But then I don't think they, it could get any more disappointing than the, the loss against Exeter. I think, uh, I mean, taking nothing away from Exeter, Exeter, they're a great side and they, they've got so many quality players. But I mean, it's just, it was so disappointing to having, to having lost that game. And obviously it's, it didn't, it didn't feel like, like us at times because we made mistakes that wasn't really, racing at the time and obviously giving points away every single time we get got back into the game we gave away points and so uncharacteristic and un, unlike racing um, during that game but I mean it's yeah that's the one that's the one that we will always regret and uh, that we'll have to live with but I mean there, there has to be a loser in, in every single game and and once again unfortunately it was us so hopefully um, we can take the next step and, and lift the trophy but I mean it's I think the Champions Cup is it's such a difficult competition to win. There's so, so many quali- quality t- uh, sides and teams in, in Europe that one, one, one misstep or one area you, you're out of the competition. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, we live to find another day. So uh, hopefully we can, we can take the next step. I can't wait to see you lifting that cup. I think you are so well. You deserve <laughs> it so, so much. And for the owner yeah, of your Jackie. club as well, Laurentine, that would be, you know, Jackie yeah, obviously, I mean, the icing on the cake. Especially know, for him that he's, that he's invested so much time and, and effort and money in the club. So for him, it would be a great, yeah. um, a great thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So talking about uh, racing, racing. So you've been there. You enjoyed it so much. Your first uh, six years, you decided to extend. Yes, I mean, uh, obviously, you, you, you spoke about my age, nineteen eighty four. If you think back about it, the karate kid and Terminator, those things, it's movies that I watched when I was small, and um, it's it seems like a long time ago. So I mean, it's yeah, I'm I'm thirty six, turning thirty seven this year. But I mean, that is only a number. I think age and Age is only a number. It's a mindset. It's it's you are as old as what you say you are. So I mean, I'm I still feel I still feel 24, 25. I still feel young. I I'm, I still think yeah. that I'm good enough and and I'm able to play at the highest level possible. And I think I've I've proven it over and over again. So I mean, um, I'm contracted until till June this year. So hopefully, um, hopefully I can get another year before 
<laughs> stepping into the to the real world and <laughs> to the big man's world because <laughs> rugby players we actually live in a little bit of a bubble. But I mean, it's it's important to prepare for life after rugby and and put the right things into place because it goes by so quickly and it's it's something that I think I've I've actively done for the past couple of years. So it's it's obviously it's it's never nice to think of retirement, yes. but um. I'm, I'm not I'm not quite ready yet to retire. I still feel like I've still got the energy and and the will and and I still want to go forward. So we'll see we'll see what happens. You could go on like Sergio Paris, you know, he's 78 years old, sleeping for too he's, long. He's, so he's, he's got another. He's playing some, <laughs> few he's playing some great record at the moment, as I think. Uh, he, but he's he's always been a class he class player, well. class act, and uh, and you can see it though. So it's it's it, it gives me hope. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, uh, how, um, I've heard you know that Finn Russell is uh, learning French. Is um, it, yes, uh, it, it is. Is it true? It is. It is true. It's, it's, no, is I must a, say he's, really he's improved well. a hell of a lot over the past couple of months, and obviously, um, he is. He's making the effort. He speaks French to the boys, so it's um, um, sometimes it's difficult to understand if he's speaking French or English because he's got a <laughs> he's got a <laughs> he's got a heavy, heavy Scottish <laughs> accent. So, <laughs> no, I'm just joking, just giving him some. No, but I mean, it's he, he's 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 a great guy too. I mean, uh, just on and off the pitch, and he's a magician on the pitch. I mean, we've seen everything that he's done on the pitch. Oh, it's it's amazing. And then we see, then, then we see videos yes. on, on Twitter and those things of him juggling tennis balls and rackets. And so he's a magician off the pitch as well. So no, he's he's a he's a good crack. He's a great guy. So, but he's he's come a long way. <laughs> I saw that on Instagram. He'll emerge yes, yes, with some yes. uh, tennis rackets, I think. Yeah, he's impressive. Really, really impressive. And yes, uh, he's a scary, he's a scary player for definitely, the yeah. one, one to watch, definitely. And yeah, definitely magicians on, on, on the um, uh, in in Racing. And uh, Racing's doing too, uh, very well, you know. You're yeah, we're doing. I think we're doing pretty well at the moment. Obviously, it's 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 been a tough type of year so far with. With the COVID and the virus and et cetera, et cetera. So we've kind of been on on from, I think, from August last year nonstop without having a week off. So it's mentally sometimes it gets a little bit draining. I think um, we've done really well. Um, like you said, we're third. Uh, we've had two little hiccups at home. We lost um, at home against Toulon and Bordeaux. But at least uh, this weekend we went to Montpellier and we won in Montpellier. So it's um, um, it's obviously the top 14 is a marathon. It's, it's, it's long as... It's all about um, a mindset, and you have to be mentally strong to 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 win this competition. So, um, yeah, we're doing well at the moment. It's just kind of ironing out the little tweaks and little errors that we have some some weeks. So, um, hopefully, we can we can iron them out and just keep on moving forward. Yes, do you miss the uh, the stad Eve? Uh, the, the, yes, the the, the, yeah, it's 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 different. Oh, no. I mean, it's. With a new Paris La Défense Arena, it's it's amazing. The conditions are always perfect. Uh, it's it's so much. It never, yes. never rains. It no never way. rains. It can, it can snow outside, and we are warm inside. <laughs> so, and obviously, it's if you go to um, to the old stadium, it's it's very it's an old school. It's a very mythical stadium with all the history and and um, like the old smells coming through when you walk in there. So it's it leaves some some memories behind too. But obviously, it's. It's rugby's change, and and our stadium at the moment is amazing. So it's it's pretty cool. Yes, and I remember I wasn't there, but um, I remember seeing on TV, you know, that last goal that uh, Bosch, you know, uh, played yeah. against Racing. In fourteen or fifteen, I think two thousand fifteen. Oh, 15? that was also very. Yes. that was very cruel. 
That was very, very cruel. I remember I played the game. It was, it was warm the day and we were just trying to close out the game. And then penalty at the end, injury time, and got kicked out yes. and we lost the game by, I think, one or two points. So it was, it was also another cruel defeat. But yeah, well, like we said, we lived to fight another day and <laughs> we're still here today. Yes, magic. Magic boots Definitely. from Bosch. Very much so. He did say afterwards, you know, it could only go two ways. Either I would, I would hit, yeah. or I would miss it. You know? I wish, so I wish he so would have missed away, it, but he didn't. So. Of, of yeah, yeah. So life after rugby. So I understand you. Um, yeah, uh, from the beginning, you know, you studied uh, at university when you were in South Africa. And in the last few years, you can yes, carry um, on obviously, your like studies. I said, I mean, my dad always told me you can and... you can do whatever you want, but you have to finish your studies first. So that's why I've been to Africa, and then I came to France. And in 2017, I started studying again at uh, Toulouse Business School, where I did um, a degree there, and then I did my masters um, in business development, also with Toulouse Business School last year. So I finished that, and obviously, with the hope of preparing for the future and. Um, and hopefully, so what the plan is for when once I'm done, once I finish to to do an MBA. So that's that's the plan. That's the the future. So hopefully everything works out. But I mean, like I think it's so important to it's so important to prepare for the for for life after rugby because I mean it's as a rugby player, like I said just now, we live in a bit of a bubble and um, everything gets given to you, and we're very privileged to a certain extent. But once that's over, it's over, and we have to kind of fend for ourselves. So it's. That's why also that I've taken the step to to start studying again to just to, to learn some new 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 skills and efforts and I think it's very important and, uh, and even on my my on my on my off days I started doing um, an internship at Vivendi Sports as well to just to learn a little bit more about the business and to understand exactly what the business world looks like and how it works so it's it's important I think. Absolutely, with our friends. Yes, Simon uh, Gillam. So yeah, we've always had a good relationship, <laughs> and since um, since I was at Breve and he was there at the time too, we've always kept contact. And um, and I think I know, I know the value that mm -hmm. he places on 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 rugby players preparing for the future and having to look after themselves, and obviously um, studying and, and etc. So it's um, it's 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 nice to kind of have him as a kind of guidance and, and support system as well to, to ask him questions and, um, and just to have his opinion on certain things. And I think it's important to have someone like that. And as a rugby player who is a little bit outside of rugby, but can, can give you some guidance. So he's definitely, definitely been that to me. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's so paramount, you know, to have a, a, that balance between the intellect and, and the physique as well in order to, uh, yeah, to, um, to to remain Definitely, sound yeah. and a good player. You know, I had exactly yeah. the same the same feedback as Thomas Lobar. So, which advice would you give to a young player who is making, who is making, uh, who is doing really well? Yeah, I think in, it's um, in, in the team right I think now. A, a career passes so quickly; it goes by so quickly. If I look back at it now, it's gone by in a, in a blink of an eye. Um, for young players, I think at the time you think, "No, I've got time. I've got time." And, I can do it later, but it goes by so quickly and it's important to kind of prepare for the future. So I know it's difficult sometimes. You are tired after training and you are solicited a lot for interviews and a lot of things. And sometimes you don't always feel like you, you want to do extra work or studies, but it's so important to, instead of maybe sitting in front of the PlayStation or <laughs> or doing those type of things, maybe just it's going to be one or two hours a week and or three hours a week and just to kind of, 
work a little, work extra and prepare for your future because, like I said, it goes by quickly and, and life after rugby is so much longer than that of a, of a rugby player. So you're, after your career, you're, you've still got your whole life to live and your career might only last 10 or, if you're lucky, 15 years. Um, and it can end at any given moment. So you can have an injury from uh, and tomorrow your career is finished. So that's why it's so important to, to have a backup and to, to prepare, prepare for the future. 100%. And uh, finally, what would you say your best <laughs> rugby memory is? <laughs> As a player, oh, yeah, it's so difficult to, especially, especially off the field. There's so many, diff so many memories that, that that can come to mind. But obviously, on the on the field, I've got a couple. It's obviously making my French my French debut uh, at Twickenham, um, having having won the top fourteen twice. So those are those are two amazing memories, and. Uh, Just to, just to highlight a few. And, um, obviously the people that I've met and I've had, rela had relationships with and got, got to know over the time and the places that I've seen. And it's, it's really been a privilege and, and everything stands out. So, but it, like, I think those three, those three, um, highlights or, or memories are definitely highlights in, in my career. Yeah. Yes. And for us, you're supposed to see South Africa win the, I think, it, I, I think, it, yeah, obviously it was amazing. I think <laughs> just to, year. just, Knowing the whole background of of South Africa and just knowing how much it it means to the people in South Africa, and like it's not always easy in South Africa. It's difficult, and and people kind of need the need that that little boost just to give them some hope again. Because obviously, with all the issues of Africa, with the divide, and it brings the people back together. So that was that was that was pretty cool to see South Africa standing together and united again after having won the World Cup. So it's um, yeah, in the 2019, that's that's definitely was 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 nice to see and nice to see the whole country standing together too. No, 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 I was in France when we playing, there? so I was I was you know I watched the the game at home with with my with friends and, and my my family, my two boys and my wife. So yeah. Yeah, I, I Are you was a bride. A bride. I, I, I did actually do? have yeah. a bride. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I know that because they were. There used to be so many um, Saracen, South African yes. players in the Saracen team, like Brad Barrett and uh, and uh, who else? Yeah. Oh, so, so we did so actually have a bride. We did actually so, say yes. you <laughs> spot on, spot on. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Hey, how do you say goodbye in Africana? Teach me something. Totsins. Totsins. Bye, thank you. Merci beaucoup. Bye, thank you. Totsins. Bye, thank you. Thank you really very much, Renika. Really, really appreciate you. it. And, uh, and okay, I really appreciate it. all the best with Rashing, and I really hope that you will lift that trophy. I'll send you all my positivity to uh, thank you, Jackie really Lorenzi appreciate it. Thank you so much, the guys. Bye bye, au revoir. <laughs> okay, au revoir. Fourteen just keeps on going, doesn't it? Like old man river, it yes. just keeps rolling along. You said that did last I? week. No, Gosh, can you find... yes, you did. You did. Can you find another I'll metaphor? Try. Come I'll on. Try. I'll have a lot of other you write well, so. Yes. Yes, do that. Exactly. Yeah, that's mine. That's my catchphrase. So Montpellier started with Montpellier versus Racing. The score was half time. It was very tight. It was 12-11, but finished off by 22-24 in terms of scoring. 
one try was scored by Gondebe at, 20, at the 53rd minutes, Dupichot at the 35 minutes, Clement Zach 60s. Uh, penalty, they were more or less equal. Five penalties from Montpellier and four penalties from, for Racing. One Racing player that broke the heart of our friend Guillaume Girado. It's Antoine Guibert. Antoine Guibert is a young player, 23 years old, and he's got magic boots, and he scored a, a penalty try at, uh, at the 78 minutes. Yeah, I couldn't believe, and you could see the face of uh, Guillaume Guirado, who was watching the game, falling to pieces. And actually, André Pollard was watching as well, so it's, it's getting really, really serious. So in, in the last... You know, if you look at the at Clermont, no, not Clermont. I mean, uh, Montpellier. They've lost. They've lost fourteen points in the last four minutes of the games wow. against Paul, Bordeaux, Brive, wow. and Cas. Yeah, Twelve defeats in fifteen games. I mean, it's disastrous, isn't it? And especially the same, the same, there's the same thing happening. The last few minutes holding, so they are really, they either need to go and get drunk and chase the demon and <laughs> empty tough, their bags, like we say. It gets in, in your head. Yeah, oh. I know Wales went through a phase like that, losing internationals in the dying minutes. I think they lost to Australia about three times in the last minute. And yeah, I think it gets oh. in your head. You, you get panicky, you can't yes. close out games. But they'll turn it around. Yes. They'll turn it around at some point. Yes. Oh, if plan B is they need to see technical psychologist or to say to go over the fears. Yeah. You know, is that book? What is it called? Uh, the fear, uh, feeling the fear, and do it anyway, okay. something like that. Is that, is that so yeah, it's all psychological. Okay, no, no, right. just, just I'm never, I'm never, fe- I am never. No, 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 like yeah, yeah. I can ask any Ruthless. question, even to Fabien Gatier or Eddie Jones or. Yeah. <laughs> whoever <laughs> so uh, yeah I, I i really feel for montpellier and i hope they will they will run but uh who are they going to play next week montpellier they're not yes. I don't, there's only two games this weekend right they still have one yeah they've got um one yeah. game to catch up most of the top 14 have games to catch up the only teams that have played 16 games are bordeaux brive yeah. and Pau. All the others have played 15 games, except La Rochelle, who played 14 games, and poor Bayonne, who played 13 games, because they went to Leicester yeah, and they COVID took up the, 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 the virus, the virus, yeah. the COVID virus from yeah. Kent. Yeah. <laughs> and they brought it back yeah. to them, to France, and then the rest is history. They're still very, very hungry about their, their trip to Leicester. But anyhow, I'm going to be much quicker. So that was it took place in Stade Marchelin. The overall score was 36-37. Really, really good. Man of the match, the uh, uh, game changer uh, was Daniel Hulleux. He's only, he's only a young guy. He's only in his early 20s. He came to the pitch on the two, 50, um, 54th minute. It is his third game with Bordeaux. And he scored the final try at the 80 minutes wow. <laughs> against against Clermont. So altogether, there were four tries from, from Bordeaux, three from Clermont, two yellow cards from Raka and Barak, and a yellow one for Rouma. 
so i mean i i was quite pleased because i like i like bordeaux and yeah bordeaux is on a winning streak so that's that's see them i think that's the fifth that's their fifth wins yes the, wow. the fifth wins altogether so they're they're, they're doing well Bayonne versus Agen was postponed because of the virus. Yeah. Virus? Yeah. Virus? Virus? <laughs> uh, Brive versus Toulon. Brive, again, is, uh, they are rocking over there. I don't know <laughs> what they are eating, what, what's going on with them. But that's the fifth uh, game won. And uh, the last, I think, out of the last two months, they won 24 points out of 34. Okay. Two months ago, they yeah. were only on 10 points. So they are doing... They are doing extremely, extremely well. Again, I mentioned that I think it's a tight-knit team. So, you watch Lyon versus Po. I mean, at least the highlights. Yeah, Lyon, another very close game. Lyon 17, Po 18. Half-time 7-6 to Lyon, so a, a tight game all the way through. Two tries for Lyon, but Po won it with the boot 6 Penalties, so you know, very impressive win, away win for Poe. And in in the other game, Stade Francais against uh, Castor. Stade Francais won twenty nine nine. Two tries for Makalu in the last four minutes, yes. and a try for the Argentinian Matera. And a good manage was three penalties for from Pieta. but. Uh, Good win for Stade Francais. They led 13-3 at half-time and extended their, their lead in the second half. So a very convincing win for them. It was, yeah, kudos to Stade Francais. They did really, really well. Then Rocher versus Toulouse was reported, was postponed yeah. because of the, the COVID. In terms of uh, ranking, so we've got Toulouse now with number one, followed by Roche, La Rochelle, the Stade Rochelet. Then Tracing 92. So there's not that much difference. You know, got 52, 49, 46. But having said that, La Rochelle has only played 14 games. So Yeah, so they've got one game in hand, haven't they? So very, very close in the, yes, in the top two there. Exactly. Then we got uh, Bordeaux, uh, number four, Toulon, number fifth, six, Clermont, Lyon, seven, Stade Francais. Number eight, uh, number nine is Brive. Brive is doing really well. You know, they're mm. going up and up. Usually they're um, 11 or 12. Po, number 10, Castres, number 11, 12, Bayonne. And Bayonne, you know, they still have three games to play. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, there are three games to, to catch up. Montpellier have the same amount, have the same amount uh, of games as... No, sorry. They've got the same number of points. They've got 22 points. Yeah. But they played uh, 15 games. So uh, they, yeah, they need to perform ASAP. And Agen, Agen is, uh, is guaranteed now yeah, to go to... exactly. To yeah, two points. Two points from 15 games. Yes. Now, uh, yes. Yeah, poor old Agen. Yeah. Shame. Yes. And next week, uh, which game are they playing? You said yeah, there's just two games, two games um, just two catch-up games because of the start of the Six Nations. There's a full programme the following weekend. But two games this Sunday, Castra, they entertain Bayonne and Racing are at home to La Rochelle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In 
any other business? Well, lots of talk in Paris coming with regards to the top 14. Talks apparently are going ongoing to try and add an extra two two teams, make it the top 16. Racing's Jackie Lorazetti and Bayons, Philippe Tayeb and Castres Pierre-Yves Revol are, are the men behind it. And there's there's quite a strong feeling that, that this will actually happen. I think they're looking to, to cash in on some more TV money and that'll be a that'll be an interesting concept should it happen. I read, I think, in the video on Epic that uh, Thomas Lumba, who was on our podcast last week, you know, is, yeah. is very keen as well to expand the top 14 to top 16. Yeah. I think it would be very positive. That means that there would be more teams from further afield than the southwest. I'm hoping to see some team from Normandy or, well, yeah, or yeah, Brittany. Van, van going so well in the pro you know that would be a great uh, great asset wouldn't it spread it all over the france and exactly. pepignon down south it would really really yes really boost things so food for thought i don't know yeah. when when the decision might be taken place yeah. what do you think about that i don't know because the top 14 is such a long season anyway isn't it it seems to there hardly seems to be any gaps so fitting in what we're talking about four more extra games then aren't we home and away but uh, I guess things like with the lack of lack of crowds due to COVID, I think when when they come back, it'll be more gate money. And to be honest, I don't really know enough about the finer detail of it. And I guess the, the proof of the pudding is is in the eating. <laughs> French leçon, la leçon de français. I must have had, surely I've qualified by now. I've not had so many lessons. <laughs> Did I get a diploma or something now, surely? We'll see, we'll see. So t- t- tell me what you remember, come on. We talk about the squad. Well, I think yeah. I think my it's my fluency has been evident throughout the podcast, hasn't it? What with Elière, Elière. Elière, droite, Elière gauche, arrière, demi de mêlée, etc., etc., Premier Lean. So how do you say a conversion? Oh, I do know this. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Conversion. I know try as essay. No, I've, I've, I, I will know it when you tell me. What is it? It's une transformation. Transformation, that's right. Of course it is. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're quite right. It is. It is definitely. <laughs> This week, do you have a joke for me? Do you know, I, I forgot all about the joke. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. But next week, I promise I will have a, one of the best jokes you'll have ever heard. I don't know where I'm going to get it from, but I will find it. Okay. Well, we'll see. Why aren't rugby stadiums built in outer space? Oh, it's got to be something to do with lack of atmosphere or something. <laughs> is it? Because there is no atmosphere. There we are. There we are. I see. That scientific mind. <laughs> mind like a razor. <laughs> Here 
there we go. Another episode completed for this week. I hope you enjoyed our um, Six Nation overview and my prediction for the French squad. We'll see whether I'm right or not on, yeah. on Thursday. I think you, I think you're pretty spot on there. No doubt you'll be ringing Fabian later or emailing him to tell him. <laughs> he actually gets our podcast every week. I send him a, a, a link. I haven't had any feedback yet. If he picks that team, we'll we'll put it all down to you. What are you up to for the rest of the week? Yeah, just building. You know, and unfortunately, we were all in lockdown, aren't we? And even more so in the in our part of the world. But yeah, just. Building up nicely now to Saturday. You know, I've got to make sure that I've got plenty of the sponsors of the Six Nations product in my fridge. Guinness, just to be loyal. I can't wait. I was like, you know, when I was a kid, the Friday night before it was the Five Nations in those days started, I just couldn't sleep. I was so excited. And all right, I'm a little bit older now, a little bit more cynical, but even, even in these times without crowds, I think I just can't wait, and I think it's going to be a lovely distraction from all that's going on outside. And hopefully, this will be the last ever Six Nations without crowds. I hope so. I hope so. Six Nations are really, really special, special moment for for so many people. And I remember watching Six Nation on a black and white TV at my grandmother's on a Saturday afternoon, and I was watching on and off. But I remember Jean Pierre even so on, you know. (laughs) So yeah, magical, magical moment. So yeah, and seeing the history. Yeah, and seeing a cockerel as well being launched on the. (laughs) <laughs> Stade de France, Parc de France. <laughs> I know. Do you know when I first went? First time I went to Paris was in 1979, and France played Wales, Parc de France then, and it was it was the era of JPR Williams and Terry Holmes, and Jean-Pierre Rie was French captain, and in a row of six seats, there were about 15 of us, and this one French farmer had this great big. It was like a satchel of homemade brandy that he had, he had brought from his farm. And he just spent the whole match walking up and down, giving people shots of brandy, you know. And then there were cockerels running up and down the steps. You know, it's a totally different experience. But, you know, part of the, the wonderful history of, of the Six Nations. And I've got a good one, and I would finish off. Um, <laughs> once I was sitting behind the Irish coach, Andy Farrell, and he was with two of his friends, and uh, I was with, with with some friends as well. And he offered us some uh, some gin, some rhubarb gin. Yes, wow. He had one in a flask, but I'm not drinking, so I said no, thank you. But that rhubarb was rhubarb uh, gin. My yeah, <laughs> he sneaked that in his pocket on you know the little little yeah, flask. As you, wow. as you do. But anyway, lovely to speak with you. Yeah, Ali, Ali Le Bleu. Ali yeah, and Ali made the best yeah. team win ever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, looking forward. I'm going to start counting the, the days and the hours now. So Great stuff. Okay, au revoir, Mike. Oh. Au revoir, everybody. Au revoir, bye. Et la jolie cloche ding ding dong Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum Tout avec lui dit boum Et c'est l'amour